podcast, I'm joined by my Syracuse.com colleague, Donna DeTota. Donna recently interviewed Jim Beheim as he played in his charity golf event. We talked about their conversation about his decision to retire, how it went down, and why he decided now was the time to step away from coaching. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And this is going to be a real fun, fun conversation for us all. Uh, I have my colleague from Syracuse.com, Donna DeTota, here today. And Donna, we're, I want to talk to you about the experience you had just last week where you were able to go out to Jim Beheim's charity golf event at Turning Stone. And you got to spend a good bit of time with the former coach and Hall of Famer. You know, a lot of times at these charity events, reporters get to come out and they'll get to talk to somebody for five or 10 minutes and then off they go to off the golf course and and then you get to go write, you know, something small. You got to go out on the course with Jim and his playing partners, and we'll get into them in a minute, but you got to go on the course with him for like nine holes. And at times you guys were walking the course together. And I was just wondering, first of all, just what was that what was that experience like for you? Well, I had I made it known to him that I wanted to talk to him in depth, in kind of an in-depth way and just talk about what's gone on the last few months. And I talked to him after the Adrian's press conference, introductory press conference. And so I knew he was having this event at Turning Stone. So I, I talked to uh, Mike Bristol, the tournament director of that, of Jim's charity event and, and said, you know, hey, can I come out and talk to Jim? And he said, sure. And, and that literally that's the, the extent of the conversation. Like I had no idea what was going to happen once I got there. I just was told, you know, be here around 1215. And I got there and he just said, hey, uh, you know, what's going on the course? And so uh, Dennis Nett was there, our photographer, and Dennis and I got a, got a cart. And then uh, Jim, Jim just started talking. You know, we just started talking from the beginning. And then there were various points where, you know, it just seemed, kept having to turn off my recorder and turn it back on. And um, it just seemed, you know, so then he, he just hopped on my cart or I hopped on his cart and we, I was just recording during that. And then just, which just, it just sort of a, just what happened. We just had a conversation for those nine holes and, and various modes of transportation, either walking or we were uh, in, in the golf cart. Yeah, Dennis got a great picture of you actually walking uh, <laughs> up a fairway with with uh, Jim. And uh, you can tell by the, the your, you had the reporter's pose there with your recorder out in your hand as, as you're walking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you weren't holding a golf ball or a golf club. You no. know, the neat thing um, is, is he talked about just the decision to to retire, to step away. And he really he got into that a little bit more with you than he has with with really anybody that I've heard him talk to, uh, you know, since Greensboro. And he actually right. said, you know, he you know, the whole, oh, the portal is getting these coaches out or the NIL and, you know, Roy Williams and these people don't, you know, Jim Beheim doesn't want to deal with NIL and portal. But he said, and I want to quote, I don't think we've won enough games the last two years. Right. And that's the big reason why he decided that this was the time to step away. I thought that was really revealing. What was your yeah. reaction when he's talking to you like that? Well, you know, he th that had come up a bunch of different times during the conversation. He just said we weren't good. He kept saying we weren't good enough. And, um, you know, I did ask him about the portal. I asked him about NIL. I, I asked him about all these things that are sort of on the college landscape right now that are sort of disrupting things in college sports. And he said, oh, it's none of that. He said, you know, I've been, he's been doing it a long time. He said, you know, he would have figured it out. They would have gotten players out of the portal. They would have, the school would have figured out its NIL situation because we would have figured it out. There's been plenty of things that have come up over 47 years that we figured out how to, that we have figured out how to, how to get around or, or, or get through. Um, he said, it's just, we just weren't good enough. We weren't, he kept coming back to that phrase. We weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. 
And he also said, like, if he was younger, I think he, I think he right. actually put the number at 50. If he was 50, you know what? He still like, okay, I still want to do this. But it was almost like a, an acknowledgement really for the first time ever that like he, he acknowledged, like, you know, I am 78 years old. Right. And maybe I'm not the guy to stick around and try to turn this thing around. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was just really, um, really revealing. And you don't always get revealing when you talk to Jim. You talk, when you talk to Jim during the offseason, you get revealing. He's well, yeah, we, we always talk guy. about offseason Jim and in-season. Yeah, yeah, he's a completely different guy. Um, in fact, at one point during the conversation, I said, yeah, you seem like seem, retirement seems to be going well for you. You seem in a great mood. He goes, I'm always in a great mood. And I said, are you, though? Are you always in a great mood? And he did say, yeah, yeah well, yeah, during the season, I'm not in a great mood. Um, yeah, I, I mean, um, I, because I, I, I kept coming back to him with, with him, too, about how he's such a competitor in every former player of his has said over the years, like, this is the most competitive guy I've ever played for. This is like, this guy wants to win. He's all in on winning. And I said to him, you know, you're, you've been a guy your whole career who's been this fiery competitor. And it, it seems interesting to me that you would just say, well, why don't we try next year? Why can't we get better next year? Why can't I fix it next year? And he essentially said, you know what, um, maybe if I was 50, I think he said during another time during the conversation, well, maybe if I was 60, you know, um, that would have been, you know, that would, I would have come back. I would have been wanting to tackle that. He said, but you know, I'm 78, you know, and uh, he, he said, basically, you know, I just, I've had enough. I've, I've, I've done what I, I've won a lot of games uh, and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm ready to, ready to go. You know, it didn't seem like he had any real regrets for staying on these past few years where it got difficult. I think a 33 and 32 record over the last two years. Uh, missing the tournament both years, but he didn't say, oh, I should have stepped out sooner. Um, I asked him if he had wished that he had retired sooner, that he wished, and he said, no, he said he's, he's, and he says this to us all every year, Mike, and, and I know you know this, he, every year he says, I'm going to retire when I feel like I don't longer, no longer enjoy it, when I don't like it. He said, you know, two years ago, I got to coach my sons. And he also said he really liked the team from this past year. He said he liked dealing with those. There's a lot of young guys. He liked kind of the instructional aspect of, the, of kind of trying to teach those young guys how to play. He just really likes and really liked, I should say, being a college basketball coach. And I think um, he said he did not regret um, stepping down sooner. He, he felt like, you know, every year he sort of evaluates um, where he is and where his mind is and where his, where his, uh, energy level is and thought that this year, you know, he said it was about midway through the season, but I like for me, um, and he said, this wasn't necessarily true, but he said, for me, it was after that game at Georgia, the Georgia tech game in the dome, when it took him a long time to come out to the post game. And that was as sort of defeated as I had ever seen him. And, um, but he said that it wasn't that game in particular. It was just like sort of the, the season as a whole, he just thought, you know, like, you know, we, he kept coming back to two, like we, our defense could not stop anybody. We couldn't do it. We, we just were bad at defense, you know? And um, I think he just, he, I just, he just came to the realization, you know, maybe he wasn't the guy to fix it. Yeah, he, maybe he wasn't the guy at age 78 to fix it, you know? You know, stepping away from the actual story that you wrote a little bit, but getting back to the golf course where you were with him, how did he hit it? You know, he hits it pretty good. He, he, he kept saying to me, like, he hardly, he's hardly had a, t a chance to play. He's had a fairly busy 
few months, you know, he's been traveling around and a little bit. He was going to go to New York the night after the golf tournament. And then he was in New York yesterday, too, to do something for the university. Um, he's been traveled around a little bit. And he said he just hasn't had a chance to play that much. But he had a pretty, you know, he's got a very gent- nice, easy swing. And he get, he keeps it in play. You know, he had a couple of, there were a couple of times when he didn't hit a great approach shot. And he was like, oh, you know, you know, he, he did the same thing that we all would do when we had a bad approach shot. Um, but he hits it pretty good. He hits it straight and, you know. He's still, I think there was a, like, there was a, on one of the holes, there was like the longest drive. Uh, there was a guy who was like the longest drive champion. Um, and that guy like did a demonstration for the foursome, <laughs> like hit it. Like, I can't even, I can't remember. It was some, some sort of ridiculous, like 380 or something like that off the tee. This guy hit it. And so then everybody got a chance to hit. And I think Jim drive was like 220 or 230, something like that. So it was, he's, you know, he got, got it out there pretty good. Uh, absolutely. Now, he was with the uh, current coaching staff, Red Autry, the new head coach is out there, mm-hmm. Jerry McNamara, Alan Griffin's there, but Jimmy Beheim was there. Yeah. And I wondered what the whole dynamic, what what was the interaction like between Jim and Jimmy? You know, they, I think they have a really good relationship. He, it was a very kind of, uh, you know, fun father, dad thing, you know, oh. like every once in a while Jimmy would say like dad can you read this putt or um what should I hit or what kind of what you know where should I aim or whatever like that and, and Jim would uh sort of give his advice one way or other and and then Jimmy would like say uh dad you got this you're gonna you're gonna make this putt or it was just kind of a fun little you know just a relationship that you would see with a father and son playing golf and you know the Jimmy also had his friend Ryan uh Roland there who's this, uh, the brother of Jordan Roland the basketball uh playing brothers from West Hill yeah. and Ryan was clearly the ringer on the team Ryan was really good he's a pretty good player and then um Jim's friend uh was there as well the guy that Jim Postle fishes with Graham Palm right yeah yeah um all right so let's talk about the other son and not Jimmy but Buddy Buddy wasn't there but Buddy was in your story and yeah. with a really you know and Jim told you it wasn't like a like you didn't call up Buddy uh, from the golf course and get a quote, but Jim was <laughs> telling you something that Buddy had told him. I, could you give tell us that story? You know, he just it's, it's at one point when we were talking about whether you know he had said he said he had, that he had told his staff, um, you know, if it gets to the point where we just we're not winning and it's just it's not going well, I, that's the time I'm going to go. And he and then after that I think I talked about how how he's such a competitor and um he just said that at one point he he, um Jimmy and Buddy had said to him you know dad you've proven all you have to prove like there's nothing left for you to prove which you know sort of to me suggested you know you you can go it's it's okay you know go ahead and retire and everybody's gonna be okay Interesting that Buddy was saying. Did he give you a time frame for when Buddy said that? No, he did not. And that is something I probably should have asked. He did not give me a time frame for that. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see whether it was December or or February or sometime leading up to March. You know, I've talked to a few of the former players that came back for that 2003 team reunion weekend, you know, for senior day. It was the last regular season weekend. And those guys were all, you know, all of them has said he can't, didn't give them any indication that he was really thinking that this might be it. You know, they were talking about, oh, we're going to get guys, you know, portal this, we're going to get Jesse back, maybe, you know. Um, so four or five days be, you know, prior to that press conference in Greensboro, he's telling, you know, guys from the 03 team, you know, or at least giving them an indication, well, he'll be back next season. But he talked to yeah. you a little bit about not only that, but he talked to you about Greensboro as well. 
And that he very, did talk about Greensboro. Um, the awkward very, press I, conference. Yeah, I think he did ha- does have a little bit of, of regret about that. You know, okay. I, I think it's interesting that um, he said he, they just only recently figured out what his exact duties are going to be at Syracuse. Like he has, uh, it's taken that long from that March press conference until I think sometime this week where they had finally nailed down and buttoned down exactly and precisely what he was going to be doing. Now, obviously he was traveling around the country and traveling outside of the country to see Jimmy. And he, you know, he, there was a lot going on. But I think he had said he'd wish that they had sort of buttoned down exactly what he would be doing um, once if he if he didn't want that he had a two year deal that he had signed after the 2022 season, he said, and what he would be doing that extra year if he didn't coach, like what would happen? And I think he wanted certainly to do something with the university and he wanted to sort of be a like a brand ambassador, for lack of a better word. You know? yeah. yeah, it sounds like fundraising meeting recruits from all sports when they come on the campus for official visits. You know, right. you, you walk by the Hall of Famer's office if he's there and, you know, hey, listen, some kids may not know who Jim Beheim is if they're a football recruit or a volleyball recruit or whatever, but but mom and dad will, right? And Yeah, and, he, and I think he said he's he's done that quite a bit anyway. He said he, he generally does that. He generally will, but like if there, if somebody has a big recruit that come in, they'll, they'll stop by his office and he shakes the hand of whomever the person is that, uh, is there, that whatever that coach is recruiting. Yeah, we've, just I've, like, I've been at the Mellow Center at basketball practices and seen football recruits and families walk through there. And I'm like, you're never going to see this gym again once you come here. But no, they walk through. And a lot of times it's to see Jim Behan. Yeah. 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 And he's going to lecture. He's going to he's not going to teach. Right. He's not going to teach at SU, but he's going to lecture. When I talked to him, he wasn't entirely sure what he was going to do. And then he I, he called me on, uh, I think, the next day, like on Wednesday, just to say, like, it's just going to be a lecture situation. He's going to occasionally lecture at Falk and Newhouse. And I was joking with him about Newhouse. I'm like, you're going to go teach teach reporters how to do reporting? Like, what's that what's going to happen? And he's like, no, I'm just going to talk to him about, like, if they have questions that they want to, how they're going to address coaches or whatever. You know, he's, he's uh, we, were, we joked a little bit about that. Hasn't he been lecturing reporters for 47 years? <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> but that's all over that's done you know um the other thing he talked to about his future you know plans is you know he talked about this whole thing about media he's been dropping hints about yeah well, maybe i'll do something in the media he was a little bit more specific with you he ruled some stuff out and can, can take us through that yeah, I mean, he's not going to. He, I think he has. He may have a little bit of contract left with, uh, with Galaxy. I'm not sure what his Galaxy situation is, but he said he's not. If he does it, if he does have a contract um, requirements for Galaxy, he's he's going to not going to do it during basketball season. He doesn't want to do any kind of commentary about Adrian or the coaches or the players or how they're playing or he doesn't want to do any of that. So he's not going to, ha- he's not going to, if he does do his galaxy thing, he said, he's not going to do it during the season. It's going to be, maybe he'll do it in the fall or what, what have you fulfill his galaxy obligations, but he want, you know, he's thinking about, and he said, he's not entirely sure what he's going to do. He, you know, maybe doing a couple of, uh, of college basketball games on the radio um, a week, or maybe, uh, you know, doing a TV game here or there. Um, I don't think he wants to do like a, a ton of it, but I think he wants to, he, I think he just wants to keep engaging with the basketball community. He wants to keep engaging um, with this. I mean, he loves the game and he, 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 I think he likes talking about the game and it's a chance, you know, he's going to get paid to talk about the game. So I think he um, it finds that to be appealing. Now, whether or not he, uh, you know, how much he does of it, I don't, I don't know. I would be really intrigued. I would, I would be, I would definitely want to listen to Jim Beheim give color commentary on a game. 
Well, it's interesting because I said to him, are you going to be critical? Or are you going to be like super opinionated about it? And he's like, well, I'm not going to like criticize the players or criticize the coaches, he said. But I might say something like, you know, uh, maybe they could go into the big guy a little more here. Or maybe they could uh, play a little zone here. Or maybe they could press or, you know, but he said he's not going to. He doesn't imagine that he will be too, doing too much criticizing of players or coaches. I always thought he'd be great for uh, studio because if they could cut back to him at halftime, uh, you and I both have talked about this many, many times. He sees the game in real time. Um, yeah. he, he he can break it down and see what's going on. You know, people talk all about time. Oh, he doesn't make a job. You know, he just plays the zone. I'm like, you don't understand what's going on sometimes within that zone or what he does. Um, I would love to hear like his quick comments, even at halftime. Yeah. And again, I don't know how much he's going to do. He's going to, I think he's going to investigate like what, what will be required of him. And he said, he's, he'll have to figure out how to do his homework on it and figure out like, what exactly, you know, how the, how the job works, basically. He also, since Greensboro, you and I have both been told by different people, different theories about how that whole thing went down. You know, some folks have told me, oh, he wanted to come back, but certain people at the university didn't want him to. And they had to, and that's why it got awkward. They had to negotiate this whole thing. But he really did not... He, he didn't support that theory and, and you were with him for a very long time out there on the course. He this said, you know, called, one, of the, right? one, of, one of the first things he, he talked about was he said, there's a couple of misconceptions about what happened. And he said, this is what he said. He said, um, you know, people think that I was forced out. And he said, that's not true. Okay. And um, he said that, uh, you know, he, he, had, he had come to the conclusion at some point or during the season again, you know, like we've talked about that he just, you know, he, it, he just wasn't doing the job that he had hoped he would, could do. And then, talk you know, about Adrian and the new, and the new, this, it's, not, it's the old staff, It's but they're all going to be like stepping yeah. up of running the ladder. And of course, new, new assistant, Brendan Strawn. But did he talk about the, the, the new coaching staff and, you know, what he thought of them or what, what's happened since the end of the season with the recruits and the portal? Yeah, I mean, he said he thinks that Adrian did a great job in the portal. He said, that in fact, when he addressed, he addressed, well, he, so before he went out on the golf course, he addressed, as Jim is wont to do, and we've all seen him in the gym, uh, in the gym joking, joking gym phase of his addressing people before a tournament or before some kind of uh, event. You know, he's funny and he's very engaging. And he, but at that point, he did say to the people who were gathered there, and Adrian was there, Alan Griffin was there, Jerry McNamara was there, and Peter Corsinini was there. And um, he did say, you know, that he thought Adrian had gotten out to off to a great start. He did, he hit it, killed it in the portal. And, uh, you know, he just, he, you know, he's, he's been very, very positive about what he thinks Adrian and what the staff can do. And he said, you know, they've got some new ideas and, you know, he's, he seemed, um, you know, enthusiastic about what, what the new regime, so to speak, is going to bring this year. But he's not going to attend games. He's not going to attend games. No. And beyond that, he talked to you about other stuff too, like, you know, uh, being around practices and stuff like that. He, he, he's going to try to keep, keep away. Right. And let Adrian be the head coach. Yeah. I think the only thing he's going to do is, you know, I asked him, you know, well, you still have relationships with some of the players on the team. You know, you, you coach them for a year and uh, you know, these guys, and you obviously, you know, the guys on the staff, you know, the, the, the people who work in the, in the, um, basketball office and he said that almost all it's every time that he goes into the office in his office he said his office is in the lally complex which is sort of next door i guess to the mellow center and he said invariably he'll end up wandering over to the basketball office and chat up with all, all his friends over there and just you know just hang out there he's unless he's comfortable and he, he said he 
he considers um, the three assistant coaches like his sons. He said, I've known them. He said, I've known Adrian since he was 17 and now he's or 16 or 17 and now he's 50 years old. You know, he said he's, he's known these guys for a really long time. He just likes to go over and, you know, chat them up and, uh, and hang out there for a little bit. But he said, He's not going to do any kind of um, he doesn't want to be a, like a visible presence anywhere on the uh, where, where you know, you and I talked about where the cameras could catch him, uh, you know, making some kind of whatever. I just think he just doesn't want to be uh, like like hovering over the program. He wants to make a clean break of it. In fact, he told me um, that my, he had had a conversation with Mike Krzyzewski and Mike Krzyzewski had gone to one game this year. And he told Jim that he regretted it because of the, all of the attention was on on Mike for that game. And Jim just doesn't, he, said he just doesn't want that. He doesn't want that to happen. Yeah, that one game that Mike Krzyzewski went to was when Mike Bray right. would announced his retirement at Notre right. Dame. Notre Dame came down and Bray's a former Duke assistant. Uh, yeah, it, it made sense in real time. I thought that Shashevsky would go and be there for his former assistant, but but Coach K regretted it. He told Jim, huh? That's what he said. He said he just he said he just because there was so much attention paid to him during that game, and he just felt like you know he's done, he's retired, and you know let's move on. Let's all move on with our lives, basically. Well, then it's going to make it really hard for the university to figure out a way to get him to a game so that they can honor him in some way because they you know, because he retired after the season and on the road, you know, they, they haven't had a chance to, to, you know, do that. I mean, how, how, how do you think they do that? Yeah. I mean, I think he will come back for that. I mean, if they have a gym, I think they're, I mean, I can't imagine that they would not have a Jim Beheim day at the dome. I mean, the guy has been the head coach for 47 years. He's in the hall of fame. He's one of, you know, I mean, I can't imagine he's been the face of Syracuse basketball for as long as essentially as long as Syracuse basketball has been a thing. So I can't imagine that they wouldn't have him back for something and he'll go to that. I mean, there's, there's no chance he won't go to that. I don't know how he's going to work out the logistics of will you watch the game? Or I don't know any about that, but I think just generally speaking, I mean, if he has to be there for a game, he has to be there for a game, but I mean, I think generally speaking, he's just, he doesn't want to go. And he also said that, that he and Julie are going to travel a lot. Um, they want to do a lot of traveling. I think he's, he said he, he probably, they probably will live in Syracuse for eight or nine months. Uh, split their time between their house in, you know, in central New York and their house in skinny Alice for eight or nine months. And he said, then we're going to travel for a couple of months. So he, I don't know how much he'll be around in the winter too, but he did say, you know, if the games, if he's around and the game, if the games are on TV, he's going to watch them. Sure. I, I would imagine he's going to be watching all of them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they, he went over to see Jimmy play in the right. Czech Republic uh, yeah, after the season. If Jimmy's back in Europe uh, next season, I, you know, wherever he is. And we, we don't know where Buddy will be next year. Right. And he's, he just said he's going to go to Vegas because uh, Jimmy, uh, Buddy's going to be playing in the Summer League this year, the NBA Summer League. So he's going to go to Vegas to spend a little time there to see Buddy and and uh, he'll he'll watch some basketball there, too. Well, I just thought it was a real uh, interesting and um, revealing story. I'm glad you were able to go out there and, you know, how cool, you know, must it have been. Although I got to sympathize with you, and this is a reporter's lament. To be able to go out to a place like Turning Stone and walk the golf course and but not be able to play, that's no, it's okay. it was okay. It, it was just I kept having to apologize to his playing partners because like he'd be in the middle of a conversation about something and they'd be like, "Uh, Jim, like a uh, dad, you got to hit. Like it's it's not you know, can you get can you get moving here?" So I had to apologize to his playing partners. I'm sorry, I'm like disrupting the flow here of this tournament, but. Um, no, I didn't want to, I didn't want to play. I mean, I've been out there. I had covered the PGA tour when it was out there. I think I covered Dustin Johnson's first PGA tour win when it was out at turning stone. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And I didn't, I didn't want to get out there and play. Yeah. I played, uh, out there one time in a media event and the course is way too good for my game. 
<laughs> so it was probably pretty good that you went. But I tell you what, if Jim Beheim happens to be listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, now that you have, uh, now that you've let Donna out on the golf course, I'll go fishing with you, Jim. We'll spend a day on the water. We'll see who can land the biggest fish, and we'll do another interview. So there you go. That's my plea to Jim Beheim. We'll, mm -hmm. see, we'll see if he wants to, uh, you know, take me fishing. That would be cool. I'd rather do that than golf because my golf game is poor. Yeah, I gotta say, like I kept we, we talked all he talks a lot about fishing, and I was like, how is it possible that I have known you for thirty plus years? I never knew like you were a fishing guy. Like, how is that possible? Um, but he is apparently a huge guy. He loves fishing. Oh yeah, I do not love fishing, so I I don't get it. But whatever. I tell you what, you know what we'll do, and again, if Jim is listening, or if if Roosevelt Bowie's, we're, we're going to put out the invitation. Roosevelt Bowie can take Jim Beheim and me fishing because Roosevelt Bowie is the master fisherman. So there you go. Jim, Jim says he only goes out with master fishermen. He only he goes out with guys who know how to fish. He says that's the key. Yes, so, they take yeah. you to the fish, like right. I used to do with our former outdoors guy Dave Figura. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Donna, this was really cool and great story. Thank you. It was awesome. And to Dennis Nett, man, he got some great photos. Folks, if you haven't seen it, it's going to be somewhere here, uh, either in the Syracuse.com realm or or, um, or it was in the Sunday Post Standard. So, uh, Donna, we will see you soon. But thanks for coming here on the podcast. All right, Mike. I want to thank Donna for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.